As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen I'm never quitting on my mission, I'ma roll with what I'm giving Got some ambition, this new addition, filling positions Looking at devoiding myself and feeling what's missing Better watch the way you're going, better go in the right direction In the moment you're stressing, but you're gonna be counting blessings And I know that for certain, keep on working, open curtains Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version Whoa. I'm never gonna give up, give up Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, yeah. You're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Harry. Good morning, Joy Burns. I have the fascinating and electric and committed and overworked, let's just emphasize the word overworked, uh, Joy Burns with us. Joy's going to kind of really bring to our attention and, and share and kind of uh, reveal what it means to be a dedicated warrior in the struggle, but it's, it's a joyous struggle as well. Uh, specifically, Joyce want to share with us some information on an upcoming human rights essay contest, really a great opportunity, a, a significant opportunity for New Haven High School students from this essay contest standpoint, and she's going to tell us about that. It's the actual formal title is the Honorable Pony in, in Harp Human Rights Essay Contest, and I, uh, I've met Mayor Harp and her husband, back in the 70s, and I love the opportunity to kind of just remind people of our, our first Black uh, female mayor here in New Haven. And if you, if you are curious, everybody, the N stands for Nathaniel. I just throw that in. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, also, Joy's going to share with us her involvement with the Amistad Committee in the sense of the uh, Human Rights Day Universal Declaration of, of uh, um, I guess, De- Declaration of Human Rights and the Amistad Committee is involved with that in their collaboration actually with the New Haven Peace Commission. We're gonna talk about the, uh, the topic of, the co- of this essay contest. I'm sure you're waiting to know what that is. And it is when it, it's a focusing on the life and civil rights work of, of the Honorable Constance Baker Motley. So important to kind of just recognize our heroes and sheroes here in the, in the, on the global planet, but particularly we can claim her here in our little town of New Haven. Um, and we're going to talk about also Joy's work briefly with uh, the Yale Study Group, which was kind of uh, considering, revealing, investigating, researching what is the these uh, really worldwide white institutions? What is their obligation to know that they've really are in existence and have claimed their name to fame on on the backs of uh, of, of of what I, I call political joy political. Uh, uh, economic captives, not slaves, but political economic captives. So, so Joy, let, let's kind of jump jump right in and talk about the the Honorable Tony and Harp Human Rights Essay Contest that's upcoming. How people can get involved, and I say people in terms of yes, the high school students will write it, but we need parents and the community to support and to kind of encourage and to kind of lift up our students. So, tell us about this Human Rights Essay Contest focusing on Constance Baker Motley. Good morning, Tom. It's so great to be on your show. Um, so perhaps folks have been driving around the city of New Haven around Christmas time and they saw the big banners over Temple Street or Whaley Avenue um, proclaiming Human Rights Day was December 10th. Um, it was founded by the um, United Nations. And um, indeed, we the most important thing that we wanted to promote, promote were the principles involved. Um, in the UN um, Universal Declaration of Human Rights. 
And so this, this essay contest, this is the seventh or eighth year, I think I'm not exactly sure which, but seventh or eighth year that the Amistad Committee has had an essay contest for New Haven High School students. And that's ninth graders through 12th graders. Um, there will be a, a, a first prize, a second prize and a third prize mm. um, in each grade. So we're not gonna let the ninth graders compete with the 12th graders, yeah. important. Um, and we're going to give a prize of $300, $200 and $100 book money, which hopefully you all can put towards your college educations. Mm -hmm. We're highlighting the life and the work of Constance Baker Motley, who grew up in New Haven, attended Hill House High School and graduated in um, 1939. Her life, her contribution um, as a attorney with the um, NAACP Legal Defense Fund in fighting for um, the rights of, of folks down in the South, in Mississippi and Alabama in mm -hmm. particular, in the 19, uh, late 1940s, 1950s, and early 1960s. And then she becomes the New York Borough President of, of Manhattan. Yeah. And she also becomes a state senator in New York and later a, a federal court judge. So quite a broad, expansive, um, and dedicated career to to help um, folks. And how will students get access to the application and criteria? What's kind of the process for the students to be involved in, and for and for the parents are listening to remind their students, their their sons and daughters, to kind of take advantage of this opportunity. Okay, so you can go to our website www amistadcommittee.org. And on the first page of the website, you will see a link um, with the photograph of Constance Baker Motley. And when you click on the link, it will take you to the UN Declaration of Human Rights um, so that you'll know what the declaration um, entails. And it will also take you to a bibliography, a list of um, books, and um, YouTube videos that show clips of um, Judge Motley talking about her life and her career uh, so that you'll have a list of um, resource, <clears throat> excuse me, resources. And then um, it also will, there's a guide that tells you how long the essay content, how long the essay can be, um, how many words, what kind of font we want it in because we want to be able to read it easily. Um, <laughs> Uh, and the kind of points that we want you to touch as far as her uh, work and relating to um, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. I, I, lo I love this topic and I love this, this endeavor. And as you mentioned, it's been in, in operation, the, the essay contest for several years because we're, I, I, I'm a, I, I want to say more recently, we continue to hear the controversies about reading scores and school students being absent from school and just the, uh, the the plethora of challenges that are taking place in our educational institutions. Uh, not to mention the fight at at the end of the uh, football game, the Elm Haven football game, and there was a recent fight between Bassett High School and and Cross High School. So there's so we we hear so much negativity about our young people and their institutions where they're where they're going. So I just love this opportunity to kind of share that there's there's ways for us to kind of come together and to celebrate and heal. Uh, and engaged in kind of really positive activity. I know in the past, Joy, there's been 
like an award ceremony or uh, or a chance to time for people to come together. And obviously, COVID. I'm, 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 I use the term COVID twenty three. We want people to say COVID nineteen. On the contrary, where it still is very present. But given this COVID twenty three uh, circumstance, do you still hope to possibly have an have an award ceremony as well? Right now, we are planning for it to be on in person. Last year, it was virtually. And um, so this year, we're hoping to have it in person. Um, in the past, it was at the Hill House Fieldhouse. I think we're going to have a bit of a smaller space, um, but still hopefully a space that can fit about 200 people, the young people, their families, and hopefully folks from the community. Please do turn out to see us give these awards to these young people. Um, we don't have a specific date and place yet, but we will be posting on our Facebook page and also on our website about that soon as well. Again, I mean, and Tom, and, can I just say something real quick? No, you can't say anything else. I'm going to talk to you in <laughs> 45 minutes and I won't even let you get a word in edgewise, but I'll be nice for the second. Go, go right ahead. Um, I know that there are people who could say, well, how does, how does, Francis Baker Motley's life relate to young people in New Haven today, you know, especially those kids, young people who feel really challenged um, right now about going to school and um, attending classes and studying. And um, Constance Baker Motley, when she was in high school, um, it was during the Depression, and she experienced poverty, just as many of our students are experiencing now. Um, and the challenge is, is it more important to work and to help your parents feed the family um, than it is to go to school? Those are all things that she faced. Um, she was very determined. She wanted to be um, an excellent student. At 15 years old, she knew she wanted to go to college and become a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And so she set her goals. Meanwhile, her mom is telling her, honey, be realistic. Um, you stand a better chance of becoming a hairdresser. So in so many ways, um, her life is not that different than young people's lives today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very well put. You know, it's really fascinating, fascinating as I talk to young people, <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of what, what inspires them, because even this recent MLK celebration, for some young people, that's really ancient history. And, and as I talk to young folks, that and if I think about if you're, say, oh, between 15 and 19, what recent heroes have you had to kind of let, latch on to? You and I had these, these, these pole stars in our life. Um, but, it's, but the history is really so important for, for, as you say, to give now the students the opportunity to interpret Connie Baker's, um, to interpret her, her, her journey in their own framework. So I'm looking forward to the essays and Quite frankly, I'm going to impose upon you now publicly that maybe the one or two or three or four of the the uh, with the winners we can have them read read their oh. essays on, on on an upcoming show. Uh, that Absolutely, we do, you know we, we do we do actually uh, broadcast on Mondays and Fridays at eleven o'clock, so they will be in school. But who knows? There could be a Monday or Friday during the school year that they're you know during the school vacation, or maybe they're prof maybe there's uh, principal might allow them just to, to read for a few minutes, even while they're in school um, or even in the class. So, let, let, you know, push push me on that. You heard me. I made the public declaration. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and you certainly feel free to mention to the winners that that, that, that opportunity is available to them. 
talk, talk to me a little bit, uh, Joy, about why you've been you know, so, so committed, passionate, involved with, with these issues, given, given your young life and your journey here in New Haven. When did you come to, when did you arrive in New Haven? Hard to believe I came to New Haven when I was in my 30s. Um, as a matter of fact, I came to New Haven 1991 to work um, with an AIDS project at the Cornell Scott Hill Health Center. And one of the people who I worked with was Tony Harp when she mm. was um, the uh, director of the Homeless Healthcare Project. And mm -hmm. so that's when I first met her. And um, I had the honor of going and speaking before her health committee when she was the chair of the health committee um, uh, of the, of, in Hartford, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. at the, the state legislature right. and talking about AIDS care and talking about the funding um, for AIDS. So that's, that's how I got my introduction to New Haven. Um, it's so interesting because that's when I also for, found out that New Haven is such a small town. Um, I would meet someone and they'd say, oh yes, my aunt so-and-so told me about you. <laughs> so mm -hmm. um, you mm -hmm. meet one family member and you've almost met everyone else as well. Let, let's, let's linger on, on Mayor Harping. When I, when I see her, I still refer to her in the, in the present tense, nothing to disparage against our current mayor, uh, Justin Elliger, but you know, I guess, when I see her, Mayor Harp kind of comes to my my brain automatically. That's what comes out of my comes out of my lips. And I think uh, our good friend uh, Al Martyr will say, as he has said publicly, that the Amistad statue and other things would not have happened without Mayor Mayor Harp's involvement when she was in you know state senator. Um, and, and so you, you're involved with the Amistad committee. Let's lift, lift, let's lift up the Amistad committee for a little bit as well, um, because you mentioned we are a small town. But we're on the international map. We are a small town, but we are on the international map. And this is separate from what happened in 1701 with, with Yale kind of coming to town, but but we are on the map. So tell me about your involvement with the Amistad Committee. So I joined the Amistad Committee um, in May of 2020. So it was during the pandemic. Um, I had the privilege of going to Al Martyr's house and meeting with being interviewed with him in person. Uh, and um, I, my, our first project that I got uh, had any interaction with was actually the uh, William Lanson statue that mm -hmm. is now on, on Lock Street. Mm -hmm. um, and so since then, um, certainly this has been one of my major projects. This is my second year working on the essay contest and um, Human Rights Day promotion. And uh, I am so pleased that now we get to work on a whole group of projects that are related to amplifying the life and the history of Constance Baker Motley and what she did as a young person in New Haven because she was an activist. Um, mm. We have a whole group of young activists today, um, Students for Educational Justice, and she belonged to a similar organization. Um, that was created um, for young uh, Black youth. Uh, this group of young people especially wanted to address poverty. Mm -hmm. and, um, the Amistad Committee, of course, there's the statue of Sinke. There's the ship uh, discovering Amistad, which sometimes is docked at Long Wharf. Um, there's the Connecticut Freedom Trail, mm -hmm. which has sites all over the state of Connecticut, um, which was founded also by the... Amistad Committee. 
And I really appreciate your listing. And just, just reminding people that, yes, in about 10 days or so, we'll have the month. Folks will call it Black History Month. Start off as Black History Week. And I was with the uh, inner city newspaper from uh, 1990 to 2000. I, was, I would kind of refer to February as African Genesis Month. Just to kind of remind people that we have these words that are really symbolic and just point toward our our legacy and our, our devotion and our existence in the planet from uh, from the beginning of time, but but I but I but I digress a, a, a little bit. You know, Joy, when I when I see you there, you mentioned when did you mention to me? Oh, the Witness Stones project. You you mentioned to me a few years while you're involved with the Witness Stones project. Throw, throw that in because I think it's all connected with Connie with with Amistad, with Sinke, with the, with, the, with the Freedom Schooner. Uh, what's this Witness Stones thing about? Uh, we, we hear so much about tearing down the, the so-called Confederate statues. Those are like tre- trees and edifices, as far as I'm concerned, and then resurrecting and replanting um, and correcting history. But the Witness Stones project, I really like that in terms of uh, Connecticut's role in this regard. But what's your, what, what has been your involvement in that regard? I'm one of the researchers for the Witness Stones Project. I get to go into the archives. My favorite archives, of course, is the New Haven Museum, the Whitney Library, where I, I um, go and look at, hold primary documents in my hand. Um, this past Saturday, I was holding a journal that was um, written in the 1790s. Uh, so I get to hold the documents that people signed. I get to um, hold a document that has a signature of William Lanson on it mm. or Simeon Jocelyn. Um, and the Witness Stones Project, what they do is they um, commemorate the lives and um, experiences of enslaved um, people who lived and worked in New Haven um, and also throughout Connecticut. And indeed, now they're spreading out to New Jersey, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and hopefully even to North Carolina very soon. And, but but um, tell me more. Don't, don't leave us hanging. That, that's just that's just the headline. And so, um, if you go to the Party Morris House out in Morris Cove, um, by the front door, there is a stone that's in the ground, and it has the name of an enslaved woman. Her name was Pink, and um, she lived and worked in that house, and was able to purchase her own freedom. And she had a child, and she also had a husband. And so we elevate those stories and we work with um, school students, usually middle school, sometimes high school students. They write poems, they write stories, their teachers um, show them copies of these primary documents that are maybe census data, maybe uh, a list of addresses where um, the enslaved person lived once they became free um, or details about their lives. And the young people write poems. They write mm. brief plays about um, these enslaved people. So they bring their lives, they um, bring their lives back to life. And also, we're saying their names again. Mm. We're acknowledging that these folks existed. When we walk around the built environment of Connecticut towns and New Haven, we don't see many things that tell us that in the 1680s, a Black woman walked these streets or a Black mm-hmm. man walked these streets. Mm-hmm. And so we need to put that back into the landscape. 
And, and Joey, I'm going to ask you the might sound like a simple question. The question is, why is it important? And I say that, I mean, obviously, I'm in 3,000% agreement with you. But there is this, unfortunately, and it saddens me some of the parts of the day um, that there are folks saying, well, so what? So what? I mean, why does, I mean, okay, big deal. And, you know, I don't want to say that that's the only white people, only Black people. But there is that you have either positive response and you see the negative response. What do I mean? You have today in Florida, the governor saying that advanced placement courses cannot be, there's a particular advanced placement course on Black history that he's um, resisting. So this neo-Confederate part five, part 10 struggle is often so sobering, but I want to give you a chance again to kind of say why it's important for this, things like the Witness Stones Project, like the Amistad Committee, like Lanson. I want to talk about Lanson in a second. Um, and saying, hey, why is that important from your standpoint? Mm. And obviously Connie, Connie Baker modeling. It's um, what Dennis, the way Dennis Culloden, the director of the Witness Sense Project, describes it as for white students, it's like looking through a window. So um, when white students look through the window, they're able to see what the lives of Black people in the colonial times was like and get an understanding of what other people's lives were like, other than the famous people, the founding fathers, the people who we whose stories we can just recite off the top of our heads. For young Black people, it's looking through a mirror. They're able to see themselves reflected back. Um, when a certain person who we'll just call president number 45 yeah, I call them 145th, so go ahead. <laughs> okay, 145th. Not, not, not even the total, it's just 145th. 145th was in office. Um, there were many people who were stressed out and were wondering, um, you know, how are we ever going to get back to where we want to be? And when I read the about the lives of these people, it tells me about how they navigated adversity and challenges. It tells me how they kept going, how they um, kept their spirits up, how they were able to take care of themselves, make sure their families were taken care of, and create a community. The churches that we see today are because these people were so invested in creating a community, staying together, making sure that folks had a spirit inside themselves that would sustain them through all the adversity that they faced. A little more, a little more. You're you're on a roll. <laughs> um, Give me one more addendum. And I think you know the other thing was they didn't stay in some in one place. There, um, Asa Jeffries, who was um, a member of the of a family of ministers and preachers in Middletown. Mm -hmm. um, he starts out in Middletown. He marries a woman, um, Lois Tritton, in New Haven in 1832. Um, somehow, for whatever reason, I'm not exactly sure, I think it might have had to do with the deaths of their children and just that kind of loss. Their marriage doesn't work out. He goes, he goes and says, I'm going to go to Iowa and get a piece of land and have a farm. And he dies in Wisconsin. You read some of the stories of folks, they're freed. One man goes 
and participates in the California gold rush in 1849. Mm. Um, So people didn't say, this is my lot and this is what I'm stuck with. They had vision, they had imagination, and they saw that they wanted to make their lives better, their children's lives better, and they went and they explored and they did it. And those are the same kinds of things that we can do today. You know, young people can have visions, create businesses, um, employ people in their community. And we see that happening, which is such a beautiful thing. We're talking to Joy Burns and Joy is sharing so much wisdom with us. And, but in particular, just reminding people that, and providing the opportunity about something upcoming called the Honorable Tony N. Harp Human Rights Essay Contest uh, featuring uh, uh, focusing on Constance Baker Motley. And again, for someone that might have just tuned in, uh, Joy, how can they find out more information about the essay contest? Uh, please go to the Amistad Committee's Facebook page or Instagram page, um, as well as our website, www.amistadcommittee.org. And you will see a photograph of Constance Baker Motley. Underneath that is a link and you hit that button. And then a description of the essay contest, which is for ninth graders through 12th graders, um, will appear as well as the guidelines and a list of resources, uh, books and articles and uh, YouTube videos of um, Judge Motley and interviews with her and her talking about her life and her career. Excellent. You know, so when you mentioned the uh, early sojourners and pioneers, my, my mind flashed back to about a few months ago, former Alder Steve Winter and, and uh, Ann Robinson, you know, came before the Board of Alders in terms of Lucretia. Are you so much, do you want to say a little bit about Lucretia? Um, so at the beginning of the pandemic, there were a couple of times when I found myself standing on a corner uh, at Orange and Elm because I needed to just have a sense of the ancestors. And standing on that corner gave me a sense of uh, the presence of Lucretia who was the first black woman who came to um, New Haven as an enslaved person, I think in 1639. Um, And Anne Robinson has labored for so many years um, to bring the story of Lucretia into the foreground. Um, And finally, at last, there's going to be some monument or um, some notation, or maybe it's Lucretia's corner um, that's going to be there at the corner of Elm and and orange commemorating that she lived there. And uh, even something, I mean, that's just so, that that sends, you know, joyous chills up my spine just for, as, as you say that. And, and as you say, for hopefully for some young people to, to feel that, or at least to stand on the corner. I want to ask you kind of a philosophical, psychological question and bear in mind. Oh when dear. I asked, when I asked the question, well, you've alluded to it somewhat, but uh, bear in mind that the shows are, available worldwide so all of your friends and fan club members wherever they might be located on the planet will hear your answer but i wanted you i want you to uh you, you just referenced standing standing in a place and needing to feel or or secure or invoke or embody uh, inspiration say a little, a little bit more about that and i'm not trying to put you on the spot and i don't want people to think that you're you know a mystic or a sage but but you but you also but you just referenced the, the need for inspiration. And I just wanted to give you a chance to kind of elaborate a little bit more about that. Uh, well, my 
my favorite source of inspiration right now certainly is the William Lanson statue. Um, after it was unveiled and the crowd had walked away, I actually, um, his, his arm is kind of out uh, on his hip. And so you can hook your hand um, uh, through his arm and put your hand on his hand. And I, and I did that um, because I wanted that sense of connection um, to such a, a powerful and profound uh, ancestor. William Lanson, um, first of all, he was one of the wealthiest uh, black men in early New Haven. Um, he got paid $22,000 um, to build the Farmington Canal, which was a lot, a lot of money. Mm. Uh, I'm sorry, to to build um, Long Wharf, to Long create Wharf. Long Wharf. And there had been like five other companies that had gone and tried to do it before him. And he was the one who was able to successfully do it. He employed black people, white people. It's like, if you can do the work, I'm employing you. Um, so he had a, a large force that worked for him. And then he successfully creates this harbor um, at Long Wharf. And the remnants of that are still present today. Mm. And he he was attacked. And his uh, reputation was sullied because they, you know, was trashed because um, the white power brokers in New Haven were actually threatened by his uh, A, popularity, and B, wealth. <laughs> and believe me, he got paid less than the white people would have been paid and he and still got $22,000, which was a lot of money. The, the other place where you can encounter um, the built environment that he created is the Farmington Canal, very close to the to um, where his statue is, near Grove Street Cemetery. And he his life tells me about how people persevere mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and find a way out of no way, mm -hmm. uh, which is one of those skills that Black people have always had that you know, I, I am the queen of workarounds. Okay, put something in front of me that is an impasse and I'm gonna find a way to go over it, under it, around it, or watch out right through it. Mm. And that's mm. that's what our ancestors, that's that skill that our ancestors gave us was make a way out of no way. I, I so admire and appreciate and accept your response, but, why for you? Why? Why is why? What's the what's the stimulus or the or the uh, uh, the the exaltation? Why is this in terms of your personal path? Why do you need this uh, to to link to have a, a sense that you can be in connection and receive messages from from our sojourners? When I was in elementary school, I think it was second grade. Um, that was when I was bused into a school that was predominantly white. And my teacher said to me, uh, you have no history. Mm. 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 Now, my mother was one of those Black moms who, you know, every year I grew up in New York City. So every year my mom went to the Carver Savings Bank and mm. got uh, one of those calendars from the Carver Savings Bank. And each month 
there was the story of a life of some black person, um, whether it was um, uh, W. B. Du Bois, Langston Hughes, Zora Neale Hurston. So, um, so my mom made sure that uh, that I learned about black history. She didn't count on my teachers in a school teaching me. She taught me herself. And I think certainly in my career, there were many times when I was the only black person in the room. Mm, mm, mm. And certainly church community and family gave me a sense of who I am. Mm -hmm. And in New Haven, when you walk around the city, there's so much that tells you about Yale um, and about who the founders of New Haven were, Sherman Avenue, Kimberly Avenue, Whitney Avenue. Hillhouse Avenue. And not a lot that tells you about the indigenous people who were here and the black people who were here. And I wanna change that experience for young people. Mm -hmm. Um, I want young people to know that the people who built Connecticut Hall on Yale's campus were enslaved Black men and free Black men as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that they didn't just build a little bit of it, that they mm -hmm. built the majority of it, three quarters of it. Um, when you, one of, one of my research projects um, is I actually want to find out how much of the original stones are left, of, of the bricks were left. Probably mm -hmm. not because of acid rain, but when you touch those bricks, you're touching something that they touched. Mm -hmm. And those bricks were made, um, historically bricks in that time were made by enslaved people and sometimes even enslaved children. And you'll see little indentations of fingers. And when you put yourself your fingers on those bricks, you're touching something that they touched mm -hmm. over 200 years ago. Hmm. Just, just as, as an aside, there's a new monument in Boston that Hank Willis Thomas in terms of MLK and his wife. And, and wow. uh, you know, it's controversial, but I've, I've been reading a little bit more about it. And he, he speaks to just what you mentioned, but because he, he, he wanted to illustrate the touching opportunity, mm -hmm. you know, touching their arms, their legs, their, their arms, their fingers, their, their heart. So um, that, that, that's fascinating. In, in terms of the, the Amistad Committee, you mentioned uh, that you guys are also uh, considering, planning, speculating about maybe a, a spoken word contest, uh, highlighting. Tell, tell us about that. Again, so, <laughs> so I want to, so one of my ideas um, was to create a spoken word contest. And that's another way <clears throat> to bring the life of Constance Baker Motley um, president to today. So young people will say, well, how is, how is her life relevant to me? How can I relate to her in 2023? Yes. And so I think we'll throw down a bit of a challenge and throw it back at the young people and say, okay, here's some literature, here's some books and articles and things, interviews and videos about her life. And let's see you create a piece that's gonna educate your peers about the life and the work of Constance Baker Motley. And then we're gonna play it at uh, mm -hmm. the, the winners, uh, the spoken word, 
the rap. Um, we're going to play them at every event that we have so that everyone will remember why young people, why this, why her life is so uh, relevant to young people today. And and you you'll record it and video it, and I can play it on my shows. You know, from time, from time to time. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm my ego, I still have an ego, right? I mean, I try to, I try to be spiritual, but but I am into promoting the show. But hopefully, the the Tom Vickery show has a relevance for folks as as well. To take take me about this. Go ahead, please. I want to say one thing. No, and no, you can't. you can't. Another you can't. thing you can't, about you can't the Lanson statue. You can't, you, can't say, you can't say one thing. You can say you can say 10 things about the Lanson statue if you want, but not one. All More right, one. 10 things about the Lanson statue. So um, the Lanson statue, unlike all of those Confederate monuments, is at the same level of, as us. So he's not above us. He's not exalted. He's not some being that was greater than us. He's He's on the same level of, as us. He's just like us. And that's what's so important about the relatability for young people when they look and experience his statue. Um, the Sinke's statue, of course, is, is, is large. And Sinke's story is larger than life. Um, you go to Sierra Leone. My friends in the Amistad Committee have told me about their travels to Sierra Leone and how there are. Um, murals about um, Sinke and Sinke is on the the money, the currency mm. uh, in Sierra Leone. So Sinke is larger than life and everywhere. Um, and yet all of them, they walk these streets, they lived here and they were yes. just us. Yes, yes. Uh, let's go to, go to Pennington for a second. I'm on the Yale alumni mm. uh, board and graduated from MDiv in 1975. Um, and just so, as you know, William Barber is now, the Divinity School has kind of recruited him to kind of bring his expertise, and his, 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 his prophetic voice to, to folks. Well, I mean, he's, he's done this for 20, 30 years, but it's glad to have him connected with the Divinity School. But talk about Pennington for a second. So the work of the the charge of the um, the Yale and Slavery Working Group, which I'm a member of, was to bring the stories of the Black uh, men and women who lived and worked and attended Yale, bring their stories into the forefront. And um, one of the things, one of the important stories, of course, was James W. Pennington, um, who attended the Yale Divinity School um, he was not allowed to speak in class. He had to sit in the back. Uh, he was not allowed to go to the, the library. Um, and he received no credit for any of the work that he did during the time that he was there. The Yale and Slavery Working Group, one of the stories that we brought into the forefront was that in 1831, faculty members, Yale alumni, um, founders of the Yale, law school all came together and decided that they were going to kill the opportunity to, to build the first uh, black university in the city of New Haven. Yes. And the vote was 700 to four. Yes. So they were successful, they killed it. Um, so unfortunately the first HBCU could have been in New Haven and it wasn't. Yeah. And the Pennington Fellowship um, Peter Salovey announced it in December, 
so pretty recently, um, will uh, give um, students who are member who are already enrolled in uh, New Haven Promise the opportunity to attend um, historically black colleges and un universities, um, and they'll receive a twenty thousand uh, dollar scholarship. So this is going to help um, black students to attend colleges and universities that support their education and well-being. And I so enjoy the way that you described that the process of civic engagement, uh, politics, influencing people's opinion and, and staying the course. We hear this term reparations a lot and it, sometimes it gets people perceive it on the macro level, although the state of California uh, is moving quite quickly in this regard. But I love the way that you just, whether it's reparations or whatever word you want to use, they had the, they had the Pennington Scholarship as, a res, as one of the, the current results, but also there'll be other benefits, I'm sure. The people understanding that legacy and opportunities can, must be shared moving forward uh, to, to the best of our ability. So that's, I'm so glad you said that. Uh, Joy, on your, on your Facebook page, you have... Uh, or, or, or an email, an e an e not your Facebook page rather, but an email that you shared with me. I want to read the, uh, you have a quote from Albert Camus and it's in the midst of winter, I finally found that there was in me an invincible summer. In the midst of winter, I finally found there was in me an invincible summer. Talk a little, little bit about that. <laughs> oh, now you're taking me back to high school. Um, that was one of those posters that I had in my bedroom when I was a teenager. Um, and well, I'm, I'm one of those, you know, uh, my family was from the Caribbean. My mom was, my mom's uh, mother and father came from Antigua and Barbados. And so, um, which is much closer to the equator. And um, so they got lots of sun. And I get winter depression. I'm mm. one of those people with less sun. I just want to hibernate and sleep. And that so that poems always reminded me that um, that the summer's coming, that the sun will come back. And uh, I I use light therapy. So mm -hmm. wherever you go, when you see me in the wintertime, there's some bright light sun in, shining in my face that just kind of helps to lighten my spirit and lift me out of that depression. Um, and it's such a, such a trip. So mm -hmm. I, I feel so much better. Exercise mm -hmm. also helps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it seems to me just as you were talking that the, that one of, one of the committee's goals, because um, I hear a lot about young people being depressed. Mm -hmm. I, I hear a lot in, anecdotally and directly. And, you know, you and I, I won't ask you publicly how old you are, but I've been around, I've been around the track a few times. And uh, it's, it's interesting, it's kind of, and challenging. And let me be frank, sad when I hear the young folks talk about the, the state of their mental health. And I've talked to a lot of young people, a lot meaning at least 20 over the last uh, four months since, since, since September, about the fights in schools. Mm -hmm. And how they and how people are and the triggers. I mean, you and I perhaps went to school when you had some sort of legitimate reason for a fight, or you you made up a legitimate reason. But they're talking about just uh, tapping a person on the shoulder or bumping into a person accidentally. These things that are triggering their their angst or their 
their uh, anxiety or their you know behavior outlets. So I just I, I see this essay contest to be just one opportunity for folks to kind of kind of rally around it, work on their mental health. So say a little bit about mental health if you would. Oh, now you're now you're tapping into my physician assistant um, work thing. So you, that's, I why have get, no... that's why I get that's why I get paid the big bucks. <laughs> like, come on, let's let's lay the cards on the table. I waited for forty five minutes to let people know how you're making these big bucks. You know, we only have ten more minutes to go, so you can handle it. Woo! Okay, so um, I I have no difficulty admitting that I'm sixty five years old. So that's number one. Um. So just like Constance Baker Motley, it's so easy to think that your current circumstances are going to be what your future circumstances are. And indeed, when she was a high school student and what was happening was they were going out and looking for jobs and work and there was no work to be had. Um, and there, and she was... Uh, the odds of her going to college at that time were pretty much nil to zip um, <laughs> because her parents couldn't afford to send her. And while she could be accepted, there was no university or college that had that was going to give her enough of a scholarship for her to attend. And a, and a woman at that, let's not neglect the fact that right. a woman at that. And, right. And then you're right. And then you're a woman and girls are supposed to stay home at that time. We're supposed to stay home, get married. Uh, work for your family and uh, have children. And so young people today, they may receive different messages, but they receive messages nonetheless to, about how they're supposed to act, the way they're supposed to look, how they're supposed to behave, and even how what they're supposed to feel. And we feel the way we feel. There's not a lot there. Sometimes there isn't a lot of spaces that give you permission to be who you are in the moment with whatever emotion is arising. And so I think that's that's certainly another one of the challenges that young people are meeting today. And um, maybe they need a grown up to say, this isn't going to last forever. You're going to have different feelings. Tomorrow's a different day. So whatever it is you're feeling, it's going to change. <laughs> and sometimes that's enough. Or sometimes what you need is one of the gifts that I had was going to my grandmother's house and sitting down and having her cook something for me and give me a hug. <laughs> and sometimes you just need that person who's going to show you some love. And I hope that that our young people have that. I hope that there is that adult in their life who will show them some love, go for a walk for the, with them and listen to them talk about how they feel so, or call them up on the phone, have a check-in. How you doing? Sometimes that's all they need. Indeed, indeed. Just as you were speaking, I want to give a, a shout out to the older person, Honda Smith in the, the West Rock area because her uh, she has a place called The Shack and she's really providing a lot of that um, substitute, I wouldn't say substitute parent, but you know th that 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 mature nurturing and, and loving environment for folks, and particularly for young people. And I hope that sh that uh, Honda's uh, sh shack, I'm going to call it an institution, can be replicated throughout the city. 
Uh, Joy, we have about uh, eight more minutes and give Woo! us give, give folks a plug. No, don't, don't. Is that, is that because you're you can't wait to get off, or you're just <laughs> you've just enjoyed enjoyed the experience so much you wanted to shout and shout it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Always so, a pleasure to talk to you, Tom. Yeah, sure. Nice, nice. A little late in the, in the response, but I'll still, but still, you did get it in there. Uh, let people know how they can uh, kind of uh, share and participate and encourage young people to take advantage of this uh, essay contest, the Honorable Tony and Harp Human Rights Essay Contest, spotlighting the life of uh, Judge Constance Baker Motley. How can folks kind of reach out and find out about it? Um, so definitely please go to the Amistad Committee's Facebook page or our Instagram page. There you'll find links um, and information about the essay contest, as well as our website, www.amistadcommittee.org. There's a photograph of Constance Baker Motley, and there's also a, a button that you can press that will send you to a, a list of resources and the guidelines for the essay contest. Um, ask in your schools. We have um, posters and we've spoken with um, school principals and guidance counselors mm -hmm. at Hill House and Cross um, at ESOM and uh, the Business yeah. Academy, mm -hmm. co-op, um, high career. school community, mm -hmm. career, yes. Um, and so we're, we're really uh, trying to get the word out uh, and if you need to talk to one of us, then um, there's an info box, you know, info at amistadcommittee.org. You can message us and one of us will give you a call and we'll talk to you about it as well. We'd be happy to talk to you about it. Right. We have about five more minutes. So again, as, as the spirit moves you and things come across your mind, Joy, uh, kind of chip in. I, 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 was, I was intrigued to hear about when you shared some background information with me and you mentioned that. Human Rights Day, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights with, from the UN, and then linking with the Amistad Committee and linking with the New Haven Peace Commission. I mean, these. So, so talk about that. We haven't we haven't really spotlighted the New Haven Peace Peace Commission, and that this is something that that I'm particularly uh, glad that we have the, the existence of the committee. Uh, I'm on, I'm an older person, as I might have mentioned, and we have some new people that have come before us. that are now younger people that are involved with the Peace Commission, and I know that we kind of bring that infusion of, of new blood is always so important, but but New Haven Peace, Peace Commission, what does that mean to you? Uh, the, the Peace Commission, one of the recent things that they did was they had a, um, a reading of Martin Luther King's um, speech that he read at um, Riverside Church that was against the yes. Vietnam War. Yes. Um, they had a rereading of that speech. And um, they've also been at the New Haven flagpole um, to commemorate uh, when the bombing of Hiroshima, yes. when nuclear bombs were dropped on a um, Japanese uh, city um, that led to the end of World War II. And so they, they remind us of, the, of what happens to people um, when we do things like drop nuclear bombs on them, you know, the number of lives that were lost. Um, and let's see, I'm also thinking. And so for the Peace Commission, um, Human Rights Day reminds us of many of the values that we share. I remember being in New Haven um, when 
undocumented people needed IDs. Mm -hmm. And the city of New Haven decided to create a program so that undocumented people could have an ID, which, you know, is a way of validating their presence. They were here. And that's one of the tenets of um, the the, uh, Declaration of Human Rights is that um, people have a right to asylum. Um, They have a right to uh, become parts of a community. They have a right to an education. Um, They have a right to not be unlawfully arrested or incarcerated or imprisoned. Um, They have a right to counsel. You know, they Mm -hmm. have a right to appropriate representation. Um, These are all things that are issues that are occurring uh, in New Haven today. You know, they have a right to be treated with respect if they are. Yes. If you are arrested. And, and I know the commission has also planted trees throughout New Haven from time to time just to and just indicate that. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. And there's also the memorial um, that's on Whaley Avenue. Um, indeed. Indeed. By Edgewood Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, just before we conclude, and I really, again, although this is not February, we've Black history is a 24-7-365 endeavor. So I really appreciate you reminding people of that. When you were when you were talking about the United Nations, my mind flipped back to to the role of Ralph Bunch, B-U-N-C-H-E. And there's a new book out, by the way, on, on Ralph, Ralph, Ralph's uh, his legacy and, and his life. And I really urge people to kind of we had these controversies that went on in the Middle East even today, but Ralph gave it a shot. He gave it a shot in terms of creating peace on earth. Uh, in, in 1948, 1950, 1951. So check out the, there's a new book about by on Ralph Bunch's life. Joy, any, any, we have 30 seconds, any uh, last uh, thoughts or, or comments or accusations of my, of my interview style? I mean, whatever you want to do. Constance Baker Motley grew up in New Haven. Um, she graduated from Hill House in 1939. She spoke truth to power, went to a meeting with Clarence W. Blakesley and said, the reason why Black people don't go to the Q House is because it's managed by a group of white men from Yale. Mm-hmm. And because she spoke truth to power, he offered her a, a full scholarship to undergrad and to law school. Mm-hmm. And that was what changed her life. Mm-hmm. Tremendous, tremendous. Joy, thank you. You've been listening to Joy Burns. We want to have her back again. We're going to possibly have some of this, the the students come back. The winners. The, the winner, the winners rather. And you know, we don't have to restrict it. There might be some folks that might have come in second place or third place or fourth place, and kind of we can kind of share the wealth with them. I see throughout the year. Joy, thank you so much, Harry. Thank you. This is Tom Ficklin's show, and that's a wrap, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Be well. This is Harry Droz, and you're listening to WNHHLP. 103.5 FM New Haven. As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'm gonna roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions. Looking at devoiding myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment, you stressing, but you're gonna be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains. Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. Whoa. I'm never gonna give up, give up. Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up. Yeah. Cause this is my role, let's get my action on